The GameCube, GameCube was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. Yeah, I was listening to the Cuphead soundtrack this morning. That would that be jazz? Yeah, that's that's a like big band kind of swing music is what it is. Yeah, I, I think I posted it on the an Instagram page just as like a, there's what I'm listening to. But uh, had a really weird dream last night. I don't know if this happens to you at all. But uh, as 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 you and maybe the listeners know by now, I'm, we're both huge uh, Seinfeld fans. And uh, every so often, I just kind of hope that I come across an episode that I've never seen before. And last <laughs> night, I dreamed that I did. <laughs> Ooh, uh, do you remember anything about the plot? No, no, it's it's one of those things where like I remember watching Seinfeld and it was all new lines. It was like the episode even had a name, but then when I woke up, none of the details were there. I just remembered that feeling in my brain that I discovered on on the DVD box set. By the way, it wasn't like on TV. It was in on one of my DVD box sets that I just read the title and I had no idea what happened in it and I was watching a whole new episode of Seinfeld and it was the best dream I've had this year. <laughs> dream of the year award goes to the Seinfeld episode. Do you remember what the episode title was? Like it was like the something? It was called like the video or something like that. It was something it was like a one word like a, a noun. It was something like that though because every episode starts with the and then it's you know the, the the cab ride or whatever it is like the apartment. The, the handicap space, which is like one of my favorite episodes. I don't know if you know, uh, on like Reddit and, and stuff like that, there's a pretty big community for making like modern Seinfeld oh, episodes yeah. where people will like write their own episodes, especially for current events and things like that. Uh, sometimes they're, sometimes they're really good. It's just like, it's often how would George react to this? Yeah. Cause that, that, that's what people want to see. They want to see what, what crazy scheme Kramer would make in the year 2020. They, yeah. th- that, that's kind of like what they did on Curb, right? With the reunion uh, season, it was basically like Kramer was inventing an app or something like that. And every, everything, everybody had phones and the internet and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But that was, that was almost what, 10 years ago now, I think that season or something. That season's old now. Do you think they'll have napkins by the year 2020? Uh, I don't want to leave anybody out. <laughs> or is this this vacuum thing for? Oh, real? is this vacuum thing for? No, the uh, what the reference I was thinking of was like, do you think people will be able to breathe under in the year, uh, breathe underwater in the year two thousand? Some of us. I don't want to exclude anybody. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So that was that was that was my dream last night. I I could a man in his mid twenties should probably be dreaming about you know winning the lottery or, or you know uh, pretty girls and stuff like that. But this is this is how my mind works. Other than that, I mean, I've been packing up for the cottage. So I'm packing my, my suitcase or whatever. I'm making my list of things that I need for the suitcase. And I, I was thinking about pajamas. Do mm. you have dedicated pajama shirts? Yes, I do. You I do. do? Okay. Yeah, I do. I don't. Uh, so I, I have, I'd say I have about three or four in rotation at, at any given time. Uh, so they're usually shirts that I really liked at some point in my life, but you know, they've either been through a lot, a lot of washes, they are too big on me, too small on me, something has happened to them. And it's like, you know what, these shirts need to be put to rest or they're soft. Often they're soft shirts. I have a, an, uh, I have my Star Wars shirt, the, the Japanese one that says 1980 with the Empire Strikes Back stuff on it. That's a sleeping shirt. But that thing is like, 
That's got to be at least 12 years old, that shirt. And I remember you have the Avengers t-shirt, too, that has Ant-Man on it, which was... Yes, yeah, that's my other sleeping shirt. That's right. Yeah, that came out before the Ant-Man movie was even confirmed. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember you getting that. That was that was a big deal. <laughs> oh, because I was so excited because I, I'm a big Ant-Man fan. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah, we both are. That's probably my... He's my favorite Avenger, I would have to say, other than Spider-Man. Like, probably Ant-Man. Ant-Man, actually, like, I don't think a lot of people know this, but Ant-Man was the original Avenger. He's the one who brought everyone together in the in the comic books. Uh, Ant-Man is the Avenger. Yeah, Hank Pym is supposed to be the oldest one. He started it all and everything like that. That's right. And obviously, and he built Ultron as well. Right. Uh, but obviously they changed things in the, in the movies, you know, to go with the timelines, which I get. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a big Ant-Man fan. So I, I remember seeing this shirt, you know, because it was very odd, uh, especially at this time. This was probably about 2009, 2010, you know, Avengers were like, there's all the stuff with the uh, current Avenger characters, and you definitely would never see Ant-Man on any of them. It was usually just Thor, Iron Man, Hulk, and Captain, Captain America. Captain America. Yeah, because at that point, when you bought that t-shirt, the first Avengers movie wasn't even out yet. Which was wasn't 20, even out yet. Yeah, yeah, that was 2012, and yeah. th- that was like the hype. Basically, for like the, la- the second half of high school, it was just hype building up to the Avengers movie. It's funny to think of that now, looking back. Uh, I'd argue that movie is like... I don't know. It's not. I I watched it like not too re- like like about two years ago, and it doesn't age well. Doesn't it? It for me did not hold up at all. I feel like Infinity War and Endgame will hold up a lot better than the the first Avengers and the second Avengers is is trash in my opinion. Oh yeah, people didn't like that movie when it came out in two thousand fifteen or sixteen. Oh okay, good. Yeah, no, that movie I don't <laughs> think was ever considered great. It was just like, oh yeah, it's more. Um, yeah, it was entertaining and everything, but it wasn't. It wasn't uh, mind-blowing like Endgame and uh, Infinity War and then the first Avengers were mm-hmm. for their time. But yeah, that uh, I'm, I'm glad that you remember that shirt because, yeah, it's still in the rotation. It's definitely too small on me, but I do love it, and it's a soft shirt, so. That helps. Yeah, no, I don't have any dedicated pajama shirts. I just wear whatever I wore that day, and then I wear that to bed as long as it's not sweaty or smelly or muddy. Really? It, but, like, when you wear, like, shirts to bed, it, like, ruins them kind of, right? It stretches Oh, I know. Out. Have you seen what I look like in public? <laughs> do i look like i'm like ready for anything no every shirt that i wear has every shirt that you've seen me wear to a concert to the gym has been worn in public has been worn to a restaurant to a movie and to bed i i have no boundaries wow that's i don't know if i can look at you the same way well, no. i have to i have dedicated pajama bottoms so i'm 50 percent of the way there at least <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen we do promise you that this is the gamecube was cool podcast episode 13 and a half if you're a final fantasy fan you probably understand that reference this is an episode which will be airing between episode 13 and 14 due to the fact that mike and i are indeed at a cottage this week together with some friends we do this every year but we didn't want to miss a week at all so we're bringing this episode to you It's kind of like a filler episode. We have one main topic that we'd like to cover. Uh, If you want to support the episode, we really hope you do so. We are on Instagram. Uh, We're called at the GameCube pod. And then you can get this podcast on, if you're already listening to it, this message is useless, but we're on Spotify, (laughs) Apple Music, Podbean. And just recently we were added to iHeartRadio. So you can... Yeah, it's kind of fun. Yeah, it's awesome. So you can support us on any of those platforms. We really appreciate it. The topic of today's episode is all about gaming on road trips. Uh, Mike and I, we are in our mid-20s, so our gaming experience goes all the way back to the days of the Game Boy, back when video game consoles, handheld video game consoles, were not backlit, they weren't chargeable, and you had to pack every single game with you that you wanted to play in that road trip, so you had to be very strategic and uh, know how long the trip was going to be, how many batteries you needed, and maybe uh, play some games with friends in the car. So... 
Mike, I guess we'll we'll take it away from there. Uh, where does your um, experience with gaming on road trips go back to? Well, I mean, I would say it definitely goes back to like the first time I ever got a console of any sort and a console, a, a handheld console. And my first ever handheld console was the Game Boy Color uh, that uh, my parents got me, I think, in 99. Uh, I, yeah, that makes sense, 99. I, sh- I should say that I did play on on the original Game Boy. My aunt had the original Game Boy, uh, the, one that, the one that came out in 89, I believe. And uh, that one, I remember being very heavy. Uh, as a yeah, kid. four AA batteries. Uh, the screen was tiny, and uh, you only had four shades of green. So funny enough, the screen on the Game Boy Color is actually smaller than the screen on the original Game Boy. I guess unpacked. that's true. Yeah, they started to get bigger when they released the Game Boy, uh, like the ga- Advance. Adva- Advance, and there was also yeah, there was the Game Boy Micro, which was even smaller. There was the Game Boy Pocket, which I think had a bigger screen. Um, yeah, mm. I, I'm I'm in the same boat as you. I borrowed my brother. Uh, he had the original Game Boy, which he probably got that in '92 or '93. I was born in '93, so I would have started to play it probably around 1996. And at that point, we didn't have Pokemon yet, so the only game I think we had on it was still Tetris. Yeah, the the first game I had for the Game Boy Color was Space Invaders, and I think that was the only game I had for a while until I got uh, a, a while in kid terms, so like three weeks. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then I remember getting Pokemon Red and Blue, I believe, because I, I got Red for Christmas, and then Blue I think I got... Uh, from someone else, maybe I traded it because you know kids trading. Uh, yeah, <laughs> trading things. Very stupid. <laughs> I don't have blue anymore, no. unfortunately. I'm not sure what happened to blue, but I still have red. And uh, Neil knows this, but uh, surprisingly, I actually have uh, all of my Game Boy Color game uh, cases uh, still intact. Uh, my dad is notorious for not throwing out boxes, which is a great trait to have in 2020 because. Of all those uh, ones that that he didn't throw out, like the Game Boy Color cases or N64 cases, like those ones are actually very, very valuable now. And I didn't even realize that until not too long ago when a friend of ours came over and saw my Game Boy Color games in the boxes. And he's like, oh my god, I don't think I've ever actually seen these in boxes. No, yeah, I, I the only Game Boy, yeah, the Game Boy Color boxes I still have are, I have Pokemon, I guess that's not Color, it's just Game Boy. I have Red and Blue box. Yeah, I, yeah fair, I guess, they, yeah, they're just Game Boy games yeah but uh i have those two no manual or anything i just have the boxes for some reason i I think i just put them in like a like a my my pajama drawer and i just left them there for literally they just ended up there from kindergarten to when i moved out of my old house in grade 12 and i found them and they i just kept them by accident because my family was the opposite of of your dad we threw away everything so we had no boxes (laughs) left other than those two luckily but yeah, same as you. I got the Game Boy Color a year earlier, or I guess not by much since your birthday is pretty early in the year. I'm late. So I got my Game Boy Color in 1998 with Pokemon Yellow, which was pretty much the car ride game of choice for me. From the Game Boy Color to even the end of the Game Boy Advance era, I played Pokemon Yellow, Red, and Blue. Eventually mm-hmm. got the other two games, of course, and then uh, Gold and Silver, and then Platinum. Or sorry, not Platinum, Crystal. Crystal. Yeah, the. Uh, So I had those, what, six Pokemon games, and those were my main road trip games pretty much for my entire childhood, other than a few other games thrown in there. Like, I love Super Mario Land and the six gold coins on Game Boy. That's one of my favorite 2D Mario games. It's Mm -hmm. kind of like the the, the 2D Mario game that no one talks about is that one, and it's by far, I think it's my second favorite 2D Mario game besides um, Super Mario World on the Super NES. Uh, I played that to death as well on road trips, but 
yeah, for Game Boy Color and then the original Game Boy, I would have gone with Pokemon. Um, and then we had the link cable as well, so you could battle with friends at school and in with my brother on in the car you could trade which was that was pretty insane i remember that being like really cool now it's nothing with pokemon go but did you have any of those link cables or anything like that to play with people or was it always just kind of solo gaming for you i never had a link cable i knew people who had link cables but i never uh, got one i'm not sure why i don't even know if i asked for one but i uh yeah it was mostly solo gaming like so uh my family took a lot of trips uh, like to places like Algonquin or my dad's family's from Kirkland Lake, Timmins area. And that's about a seven, eight hour drive. So we did those trips obviously a lot. And then we had a cottage at Wasega Beach and that's about a two hour drive from Toronto. So the, I, I, so it was a lot of two hour trips and things like that. And I, I'm, I'm just trying to like recall my, my first memories because I, I'd say some of my first memories were definitely playing Game Boy Color in school because we could we could have the Game Boys for a little bit uh, I remember and then they and then they didn't allow them anymore. Uh, yeah, that, that was the beginning of the end. Was that era? Because, yeah, yeah. They didn't teachers and print. There was no protocol in line yet for phones <laughs> and Game Boys, and uh, you know you just didn't. No one expected people to bring electron or kids to bring electronics to school until the late nineties. So yeah, we there was times in the schoolyard where everyone had a Game Boy. Well, it's, it's funny too, because like there's not only Game Boys that eventually got uh, uh, banned, but uh, Pokemon cards as well were banned pretty early on. And I have a funny story for that too. So uh, Nathaniel, uh, who came on for the Super Smash Bros. episode, uh, he went to uh, elementary school with me when I was a little kid. And Nathaniel's a year younger than me. And so he was in kindergarten when I was in grade one. And most kindergartners, this is in 99, right? So uh, most uh, most kindergartners did not know what Pokemon was. <laughs> uh, we, I, I think I did in kindergarten. I was learning it at that point. But I have a brother that's five years older, so I think that's why. Fair enough, yeah. But uh, so, and my mom was a, she was like, a, she helped out in kindergarten, like a volunteer at the school. Uh, so she was in the kindergarten class helping out. And Nathaniel was there, obviously, uh, in, in, in kindergarten. And I remember her coming home and telling me, uh, she's like, yeah, there's this boy in kindergarten who is trying to trade Pokemon cards with everyone and no one else has <laughs> them. And so he keeps getting them taken away. <laughs> and then I didn't know Nathaniel at this point. And then obviously I, then I asked my mom, I was like, who is this kid? So then that's kind of how I became friends with them. <laughs> yeah. I think that's how every kid at that age became friends with anybody. If you had a stack of Pokemon cards and a, and a Game Boy, you were, you were best friends at that point. And he was really, like, he knew how to play the game, oh, which wow. was rare at that point, because <laughs> no one knew how to play the game. I remember he had, like, a CD-ROM uh, that he would get with, like, the cards Oh, um, <coughs> that would uh, that would kind of teach you how to play the game, and you could play it on the computer. I don't know if you ever had that, no. but uh, I remember playing it at his house, and I, like, learned how to play the game with him. And so he would... Uh, try and take uh like older kids uh better cards <laughs> by beating them he was like an early like scammer on the schoolyard reminds me of like recess or something like that but uh no oh yeah yeah no back 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 then the only thing that i mean every kid had the cards but no one knew how to play you were just collecting it for the pictures and to catch them all you watched the anime if you want to call it an anime and then you played the game boy games which is pretty much everybody i think everybody played the game at least like i don't i don't i didn't know anybody that collected the cards and didn't play the game or anybody yeah, that watched they, the show they and had didn't it, play the yeah. game. Yeah, pretty yeah. Most people had 
the games as well. And if you didn't have a Game Boy, you had the N64 to play Stadium or something like that. But um, yeah, but uh, I guess going back to the Game Boy Color for road trips, uh, playing the game at night, playing games at night when you're on road trips was deadly. So, yeah, so I wanted to bring that up too with the uh, how I always see this meme. It's like kids these days will never understand uh, the attempt of just like holding your Game Boy uh, right beside the window waiting for the next streetlight to come over. Yeah, you had to basically wait for the street lamp to, to pick a, a Pokemon fight move or to move a little bit. And you're hoping, like, hope to God that there's no, you know, rush hour or anything like that. Because, yeah, driving to wherever it is you were going, which for me was probably either a grandparent's house or, like, a hockey game or something like that. So it was never more than an hour or two, except for when we went to cottages, like you said, two to three hours. Um, yeah, traveling home from that event was always a nightmare. At one point, I got to the point where I would hold a flashlight in my neck, like the way that you see your mom used to hold the phone up to, like, with the shoulder <laughs> to the ear. I used to hold a flashlight like that and uh, try and play the games like that until eventually we got that attachment, which I'm sure everybody can picture right now, that little worm light that you stick into the side of the Game Boy Color, and it, you know, works like a little book light. That was a godsend. I love the worm light. That's, I still, I'm pretty sure I still have mine somewhere. Uh, I, I wrote it down as topics to talk about <laughs> for this for this episode because that was like my number one thing that as soon as you just talked about road trips, I was like, oh my God, a worm lights. Like that's the worm yeah, light. That's what yeah. saved everybody. The worm light and a Ziploc bag full of Duracells. That was pretty much what everybody had when they left the house <laughs> and then maybe two extra games to play. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's funny because like nowadays, uh, I, I always want to make sure I have a case for, you know, for my Switch or 3DS or whatever I have now. But uh, back then, I definitely did not have a case. I think I had the Game Boy Color in a Ziploc bag, like you said, with the batteries and games all like together. Well, yeah, but the screen never scratched. Like no. that screen was it was soft, but it, it wasn't like a it wasn't like a maybe um, like a phone case, which or a phone screen rather, which kind of scratches easily. The, the, you had to really try to scratch those screens, even though they were very much like a toy. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't have a. I had a. I actually did have a case for mine, but I think it was meant to be for a camera. <laughs> like I don't think it. I don't think it's a dedicated Game Boy Color case. I still have it. It might be a color. It doesn't. It doesn't have a Nintendo brand on it or anything like that. So I'm not sure. But it it holded the Game Boy Color really well, and it had a little pouch, which I guess might have been for film. But I used it for games. I know for my Game Boy Advance, I <laughs> I actually brought the box everywhere. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> that it came in. That I I had the Game Boy Advance box. Because that was like the best. Because I remember getting the Game Boy Advance, and I was like, "Oh my god! Like I need to treat this with like the, the most care ever." You know, I'm gonna treasure this for the rest of my yeah, life. Yeah, so I would always put it right back into its box. Which, as a kid, that makes sense, right? Like that's the safest nope, place for it. I, no one did that, but you. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's just um, funny okay. Back. That, that's hilarious. I just put the Game Boy Advance. This is a good time to transition from the Game Boy Color to the Advance. I guess we'll just go through stages. Might as well. Uh, the evolution mm -hmm. of game gaming on the road. So the Game Boy Advance, I got mine at launch. I think I got mine that year. Um, I The only Game Boy Advance game that I think I owned for the longest time was F-Zero uh, F Velocity, Maximum Velocity. Mm -hmm. I got that, and I got Donkey Kong Country... But it was a Game Boy Color port, so it wasn't even an Advance game, but the Game Boy Advance obviously plays Game Boy and Game Boy Color games. So the Game Boy Advance for me was mostly still just playing Pokemon games from Game Boy Color. Oh, that was me with Super Mario World. I never played Super Mario World on the... Uh, well, no, I guess it is a GBA game, uh, the Super Mario World uh, port, right? So that that's from the SNES one. Yeah. So yeah, so I played that all the time on, on uh, Game Boy Advance, and I... 
like that i must have put more hours into super mario world than any other game since i'd say like i played that game constantly Uh, i had that game for years even up to uh and past the sp uh game boy advance sp days too uh i'd say super mario world yoshi's island super mario 3 and pokemon crystal were probably the games i played the most of uh of that era Okay. Yeah, that era I'm very blank on because I just, like I said, I just kept playing Game Boy Color and Game Boy games on it. I kind of screwed that console generation up because it's a very good console, and I, I have gone back over the years. Game Boy Advance for me, I really didn't jump into until after high school. Like in college, I was playing that game on the bus, which for those of you that don't know, we, Mike and I finished high school in 2011. So I was playing Game Boy Advance on a bus in 2011 which is well into the DS life cycle and actually just at the beginning of the 3DS life cycle. But I played, uh, yeah, I picked up Pokemon Emerald. I picked up um, Mario Kart, which I actually love the Mario Kart Game Boy Advance version. It's almost unplayable, but I, I liked <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, and then other than that, it was all just licensed games. Like I played Nightmare Before Christmas on GBA and then SpongeBob games. I love the SpongeBob games on Game Boy Advance. That's actually a game I did have back in the day was the SpongeBob SquarePants movie game. Yeah, and so did I. Yep. Yeah, I had that, and then we both had the, or I had the uh, the movie game on GameCube yes. as well. So for me, like looking back into the early 2000s, that was my idea of taking a console game on the go. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I mean, because like, so you were saying how you didn't really get into the Game Boy Advance uh, era uh, too much. And I think uh, I, a bit of that is because you had an N64 and a SNES, right? I kn- and a GameCube. And, uh, yeah. well, I, well, GameCube wasn't out at that, uh, yet, right? Uh, no, I guess it was just or, after. Or, yeah, yeah, it would have just been coming out. Uh, Around the same time. Yeah. yeah. But uh, so obviously, I, we, neither of us got a GameCube until a couple of years in. Uh, and uh, I didn't have a console uh, before the GameCube. So these were my console, right? So this was it for me. So I played these at home. I played these on the road. I played these everywhere. So playing Game Boy Advance and Game Boy Advance SP, like those games were, that was my life. Yeah, and you mentioned like all the games that you played on Game Boy Advance were pretty much all games that I had already played at that point since I had the Super Nintendo very early. That's my earliest video game memory is the Super Nintendo, mm-hmm. and we still have it. It still works. I have all the, I have Yoshi's Island. I have Super Mario World. So yeah, like all those ports were kind of like whatever. I didn't really care about those. And see, so. for me, I didn't even know the reports until years later, like years, uh, like at least until high school. I didn't, I didn't know that these were ports. I just figured that they were exclusive to the Game Boy Advance because. You know, you're a kid. It's there's no internet. You know, you're not you. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know any better. So it's just like, oh, new game, Yoshi's Island, Game Boy Advance. Got it. Cool. This is fun. I remember the naming of them was very weird. It was like Super Mario Advance Three, Super Mario World, Super Mario Advance Two. It, it got really confusing. Yeah, for whatever reason that they they did this weird thing where Super Mario World was Super Mario World Two, and Yoshi's Island was Super Mario World Four, I believe, uh, or Super Mario World Three, and then Super Mario Three was Super Mario World 4, it, it was like, or Advance 4, it was like, because uh, I guess they made a series of Super Mario ports for the Game Boy Advance, and they, but I don't know why they would have even numbered them, didn't matter, like. No, I don't know, like, it was really confusing, even going back as a collector, going back to those games, trying to figure out what's what, and they are all ports, I don't think there were any, there are none, uh, original 2D Mario games on the Game Boy Advance, which was kind of a bummer. Mm-hmm. Like, thinking about it, yeah. Yeah, like they had Super Mario Land 1 and 2 on the Game Boy. They didn't have any on Game Boy Color, but that, that's kind of not, it's, it's technically not its own console platform. GBA was all ports, and then the DS was when they started to pump out original Mario games again. I, I think a lot of it too was 
was the fact that the Game Boy Advance and Game Boy Color eras were very much geared to just children, right? And 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 geared to that market alone. Uh, and I think that's why they were very fine to just put ports out because a lot of kids who had never experienced the SNES uh, games before uh, would now have a new chance to do it on the road and in a much more accessible environment. I think that was a huge impact on why they did that. Yeah, it was a good. It, they also did a lot of uh, NES ports. There was Zelda and Donkey Kong and things like that. So yeah, they, they, they and they still do it today. They go back and they've you know ported a whole bunch of Wii U games onto the Switch. So this was that. I think the beginning of that. Um, They're very much just meant for kids at this era who have no, literally no way of playing these games any other way other than like having a SNES, which a lot of them wouldn't have. Uh, so it's it's kind of a, a cool thing that really like i mean obviously like you said it happens now but just not in the same vein because the like the 3ds and the ds uh were very much uh for nintendo to push past just the children's market and kind of target other gamers especially with the psp coming out sure and did, just last point on the game boy advance did you have the original game boy advance or did you get jump right into the sp i i had both actually i okay looking back i was like wow thanks like thanks parents like that was really nice of you uh to get because in you know in my mind uh the game boy advance s like good job for marketing from nintendo but the sp was a whole new console right like but like obviously look as an adult whole new form factor it was a new form factor to the game boy advance yeah. it was the same thing with a backlight it folded it had a chargeable battery it was the the, the way to play game boy advance oh games, and games honestly out. of all the consoles i've ever played in terms of handhelds the game boy advance sp is by far the best handheld console i will like i will go to battle for that it's the most comfortable it has all the features it's backwards completely backwards compatible uh it, it's it's so it's so portable it's like the only actual portable uh like thing like you can actually just put it in your pocket yeah that's the and your game boy advance sp has been through our entire friend group now it's uh you started with it you gifted it to me when i was getting back into the game boy advance so that's what i played most of my games on on the bus when i was going to college and then i gifted it to our friend john who now has it? I don't know if he plays it much. I doubt he does, but it's still it's in the group, and uh, it's I hope it lives on. It it's a, it's a durable little console. It still has the original battery that you, yeah. you had back in the day. So, but uh, continuing on, every single every single game system since then, luckily, has been backlit. <laughs> so we have exited now that generation of hopefully waiting for street lamps to turn on so you can play your games again into the DS generation, which this is when Nintendo lost me as a handheld fan. Even though the DS is a, a, I'd say it's a good console. I'm not a huge DS supporter. I've gone back like the GBA. I've played a whole bunch of games. I love the 999 series, mm -hmm. which we talk about a lot together. I love the port of Diddy Kong Racing. But uh, for me, this generation was the PSP, which I got almost right at launch. That that console sucked me in right away. Um, I got I got the PSP the year it came out. I got it with Star Wars Battlefront Two and uh, Happy Gilmore <laughs> on the UMD. The UMD man, and that was the best Christmas ever. That that <laughs> console blew my mind just because I'd been playing Game Boy Color for my entire life, and then all of a sudden I had this basically a GameCube level graphic console that I could play in the car. I played Star Wars Battlefront for hours. I, I still pick it up from time to time just to remember. It hasn't aged very well, but I can still play it just because I'm, I am I kept that muscle sharp. But, uh, yeah, th th that's how I spent most of these three to five years was playing PSP games in the car. Fully backlit, which was, again, the, this was the first experience I had with that. Um, but, yeah, that UMD system was terrible. I, I vividly remember, uh, I personally never had a PSP, but I vividly remember the first time I ever laid eyes on PSP. 
And after seeing the DS, because I remember someone had bought the DS on launch and everyone was very excited for it. Super Mario 64 DS uh, was on there and that looked like amazing, looked like the coolest game ever. And I, I knew of the game obviously for N64, but uh, I'd never gotten a real chance to play it. So I was like, oh my God, it's on the DS. And then a couple months later, someone on my hockey team had a, a PSP and I just remember being blown away at the difference. The fact that this thing, the, the screen basically, this is the first time I'd ever seen a screen that was like, it, it felt like it covered the entire platform itself. It didn't feel like it was like within the platform. You know what I mean? It's just a wide, it's a, it's a wide screen. Like it's a yeah. wide screen screen. <laughs> uh, the, I, and I remember feeling the, the joysticks like the, uh, and I was like, oh my God, you can have this on a game and not just have a D-pad, right? Because that's, yeah. that, that, that was equally mind blowing. The fact that you could have these little joysticks now on uh on uh on a like a portable platform so that was crazy to me to to see and to be able to play that and it, it like you know like you said it, it looked like gamecube level graphics so in 2005 this was unbelievable yeah this was the first mind-blowing video game experience i think i ever yeah. had i would have been uh 12 when i got this one so i mean at this point in our lives we had grown up with 3d gaming so that generation didn't blow our minds the same way it did people that were maybe five to ten years older than us but to have a, a game console like this that you could fit again this one fit in your pocket really well it, it's not as big as uh like the vita was bigger the 3ds is bigger it's actually a very slim piece of tech even the original one i had the psp 1000 which is the first one and um it's a little chunkier than the later models but it still fit in all of my backpacks my pockets and yeah this was fully chargeable and yeah. everything that the sound quality was incredible you had full voice acting full orchestrated music in certain games like the, the racing games and the final fantasy games yeah i played this system to death and i still i have a decent collection of PSP games now. I haven't, I definitely won't ever get rid of it. You, you said you wish that you had that experience mm -hmm. in 2005 to have that console. I did. And that's why the PSP is so special to me was because just the first time I, I plugged it in and turned it on, I was automatically sold on the yeah. idea of it. And I, I never, I never did the whole hacking thing. I never broke my PSP open. I just played PSP games and I bought every, uh, Adam Sandler movie. I was watching Family Guy on it too. I, I never put music on it. I never quite figured that out, but I played all the God of Wars and the Ratchet and Clanks and it was just so cool. There's my own, that was my only Sony console up until mm -hmm. the PS3. So I was playing all the PSP or all the Sony franchises, which I had no real uh, affinity to up until that point since I only had GameCube and N64. So it opened up this whole new world to me and what a just going from Game Boy Advance to PSP was like just a quantum leap. Oh, absolutely. Just crazy, right? Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, it did. I mean, unfortunately for me, it did lose out to the DS in terms of sales. Most people were playing PSP because it was easily hackable. You could uh, hack it and, and basically put every single Nintendo game on it. <laughs> anyway, it's a very special console. This, this one, yeah, just seeing that level of graphics in this handheld hardware was just incredible. But for the DS, uh, that this was a console I mainly just played with you in the car when we were on our way to hockey games, and yeah, I remember uh, Mario and uh, SpongeBob games mainly. Yeah, that's uh, I mean that's me and I as well. But uh, like it's funny looking back, uh, I wish I had a PSP just because I remember not loving the DS as much. I I played it obviously know a good amount, but it it never really stuck with me like a Game Boy Advance did. And I think that in part also had to do with the fact that I had a GameCube, then I just got the Wii. And so 
these were you know i was i was always more i was i was always wanting to go back and play those rather than playing my games on the ds and i think this is actually kind of where nintendo started to falter in terms of of that that like in terms of their quality for some of these games uh, just, just my opinion, but uh, I think that's kind of where they started to go down this rabbit hole. Yeah, they started to open up to attracting the casual market, which, um, like games like Brain Age, cooking, cooking games, uh, Wii Fit, uh, Nintendo Dogs, and things like that. Those were the games that were on the top of the charts every month for Nintendo, which was unfortunate for Nintendo fans like us who love Zelda, Mario, Star Fox, Pikmin, just to see those uninspired games reaching this level of popularity it really was heartbreaking yeah because it's like what like what is this console now like or what is this company now like where are you going to go now are you going to go back to trying to make donkey kong games every year are you going to go back to making (laughs) you know they lost a whole bunch of their major developers like konami and, and capcom they all and like Square Enix, they lost them to, to Sony and Microsoft. And then obviously we know that after the DS and the Wii generation, things really fell off a cliff for yeah. them. Um, but we're back. Right back to where we need to be. And then we transitioned from the DS PSP generation to the 3DS and Vita, technically, generation. Um, this is really when, I guess, you and I, we were out of high school now. So road trips, driving along with our parents, kind of turned into you and I doing the driving. So not as much gaming in the car, but more so gaming while commuting. I played the 3DS almost every day on my way to uh, to school when I went to school downtown. Yeah, I played 3DS a lot too on the bus and stuff like that. And this is kind of like the PSP for Nintendo, I think. It's close to the same processing power, I think. The graphics feel about the same. It's, it's where Nintendo should have been in 2005. And that's kind of what hurts me is the fact that it's like, it's a great console. It's one of those things too that every iteration that they made of the 3DS was better than the last uh, in terms of like the better better sound quality, better uh, graphics, better screens. Uh, it just they kept improving on it. Maybe uh, until the 2DS. Uh, yeah, the 2DS. Uh- the 2DS line kind of ruined that a little bit. Yeah, but if, if you want to think of the XL and the XLI and the XLL yes. and whatever the things are, like they were, each <laughs> one was like, oh my god, like they're they're putting a lot of money into making this console just a fantastic, like well made console. I just wish that they had done that so many years before because it it just kind of makes the D, like I don't know who would even want to ever play a DS now. Looking at the 3DS, that it's just so much power, more powerful, and just looks and feels so much nicer to play. Yeah, absolutely. I would, I'm in the same camp. I wish that they went from the Game Boy Advance to something maybe not quite as polished as the 3DS is, because having something like that in 2005 might not have been possible, especially with the 3D tech, which they were obsessed with, with which no one ended up using. Yeah, let's talk about that for a second. Like, it, it does... Did anyone ever use that? I don't. I think I used it when I first bought it because I was like, "This looks cool," and then that was it, right? Yeah, I, I didn't touch that 3D slider once in the five years that I played the 3DS, and I played everything on. Well, not everything. I played mostly everything on 3DS. Like I, every major game that came out, all the Pokemon's, all the Zeldas, all the Mario's, even Fire Emblem, which is a. a, a series that I don't traditionally love. I played that on 3DS, so I caught everything on this console. This was when Nintendo brought me back into their handheld market. Yeah. With with their and I remember seeing it at E3 on the E3 video in 2011 when we were just winding down high school. I remember seeing it and being blown away by seeing Star Fox remastered, Star Fox 64. Mhm. Ocarina of Time, the new Mario Kart looked amazing. I was stoked for this console when it came out. Yeah, this console came out. I remember when it came out, uh, and uh, our our mutual friend Lucas, uh, he had uh, a 3DS, uh, and he got it like right away. And I remember him bringing it to science class <laughs> and playing it there. And I was I was like pretty, 
impressed and also kind of angry because at this point I wasn't following video games at all really I was kind of out of that scene and um and I remember seeing it and I was like what this is like everything I wanted the DS to be like what the hell yeah I know I know <laughs> I really wish that they skipped over the D not skipped over but like just kind of shot right out of the <laughs> gate with this kind of a console but yeah right Nintendo's always a little bit late in the in terms of power and it's it's kind of disappointing especially as you get older maybe for when you're younger you don't really care like most kids didn't care that the Game Boy was green while the Sega Game Gear was full color yeah because it's it's about the games at the end of the day, it's about the games. Exactly. So, yeah, I played 3DS every single day, and that's actually where I played most of my DS games was on the 3DS because I didn't have a DS until way later, but the 3DS was backwards compatible, which was nice. So that's where I played most of those games, too. I don't think anybody plays the 3DS much anymore since the Switch pretty much instantly killed it the day it came out. <laughs> it did, but it still has quite a big following and quite, like, people still play it today, and people still have a lot of affinity for the 3DS and I think that's, again, I think that's just to do the games. There's so many great games on there, and there's a lot of replayable games on the 3DS. And you also have things like Majora's Mask and Ocarina of Time mm -hmm. remastered for the 3DS. So, But there's definitely still a big following for the 3DS, for sure. You see, even at game stores, there's always a, a lot of 3DS games for sale, a lot of 3DSs for sale, and always new ones. It's I never see the same ones. Even like the limited edition ones, they get scooped up pretty fast. They do. So. And I'm assuming a lot of people are still playing Pokemon on 3DS because I don't know if the, the yep. new Pokemon really set the world on fire with Sword and Shield. I, I, bet, I bet there's still a large fan base of Pokemon players still playing uh what was the latest one sun and moon or x and y i think 3ds also hits this market even today because i know people who still play the 3ds today and they don't play new games necessarily but you know i have a friend of mine who's a big luigi's mansion fan and she uh, plays uh, Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon and the new Louis or the remastered Luigi's Mansion now on 3DS as well because that's where she can get them. Yeah, you know, and she doesn't have a Switch and she's not she's not a gamer. She's not going to pay four hundred dollars to buy a Switch, but she had a 3DS from you know when she was in high school. It still works great. It still does everything she wants, and she can still play uh, some of the games that that she likes. And it's a huge huge library of games that you'll never get tired of. And I actually lent her a whole bunch uh, one time, too. And so she can go on that forever, to be honest. Yeah, it was so strange with that console. They definitely could have hammered out more GameCube remakes, just just to go back to the GameCube. They only really, <laughs> might as well, that's the name of the show. They only put Luigi's Mansion, I think, is the only GameCube port on the 3DS. And they put two N64 ports with Star Fox and uh, Ocarina. Oh, it's three, with Majora's Mask and Ocarina of Time. And then they ended the console randomly with a Kirby Epic Yarn remake and then a few DS remakes with Mario and Luigi games. Yeah, it's strange. It was just a weird choice of games that they chose to remake for that console. The Zeldas made sense and they were great. I'm not complaining about getting a Star Fox remake. Whatever I can get, I'll take. <laughs> but then there was just those random last couple remakes that were just like, what? I, I like how Majora's Mask was clearly made at the same time as Ocarina. And they just got released four years apart. <laughs> well, it was made by the same studio, so they had all the assets. It might not have been made at the exact same time, but it would have taken a lot less time to do Majora's Mask than Ocarina. Yeah, and I'm, I'm thinking, uh, you know, Majora's Mask got released in 2015 when the company was, was having its worst year ever. So I feel there's a reason for that. Did you play those two remakes or no? Yes, I did. Yeah, they're both fantastic. Both really, really well done. And I remember thinking at the time when I, I got my 3DS maybe two years after launch, I think I got it in 2014, and I was playing Ocarina of Time on the bus going downtown, and I just remember thinking like, holy 
You know, it, it's been 15 years since the original uh, Ocarina of Time, approximately at that point. To play that back in the day, you needed a, a tube TV, you needed a couch, you needed an N64, you needed a controller and the cartridge. Now I'm playing this game on a bus, barreling down a highway, nicer graphics, nicer sound, and everything like that. Just, you know, on a, I can put it in my pocket, throw it in the pot, and then pick it up again right when I, I'm on my way home. I thought that I thought that was just a really cool realization, similar to the PSP, but just that was the first remake that I picked up and just thinking, this is incredible. I really hope that they continue this and they didn't. But yeah, just how far games could come. And thinking back in the day about, you know, games that I loved as a kid, like Zelda, like even just recently having uh, pod racing on Switch, just to have that in my bed, I would never have thought that possible in the, in the late 90s. Oh, same here. In the late 90s, in the early 2000s, in the mid 2000s. Yeah. Like, right? It's uh, just... The fact that I can, I can, you know, bring my games anywhere. You know, I think of something like Dark Souls, playing that in 2011, thinking like, man, I, I'm so invested into this game because I need to be in order to beat this thing. And I just want to keep playing it all the time, obviously, right? And uh, all I could think of was like, I wish I could just like bring this like portable, like uh, have a portable version of this, but obviously I know I can't. And, you know, obviously the Switch and having Dark Souls Remastered come on there last year, that was uh, that was pretty special uh, to play that on the subway. Yeah, now to take it a, a step even further with the Switch, now we have almost every possible game you can think of is now you can play that anywhere. So to take your Switch with you on the road, you can, unfortunately you still can't watch movies, but you can, uh, you can play like any NES game, any Super NES game, and now when Breath of the Wild came out, that's now my favorite game of all time, and I can play it anywhere in bed i can play it at the cottage i can play it in a car and it's just this all-encompassing experience that we've gone from a a screen the size of a post four postage stamps in four shades of green to this this beautiful console that you can take with you on the go and plug it into the tv and i can't believe we didn't really see it coming i guess we were too young to to see the forest for the trees with with switch and where games were going but again when we were young i never thought that something like this console would ever be possible no and it's 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 so great too because Animal Crossing, you know, that came out this year, earlier this year, it it really is the perfect meld of the two systems because Animal Crossing obviously first coming to GameCube in 2002 and you know, it was a pretty big deal back then. But after that, they didn't really ever uh, pick up uh, where they left off in terms of the consoles and they kind of moved more towards the uh, handheld Animal Crossing, such as what's that? Uh, such as like a Wild World and New Leaf. Yes, those are the DS and 3DS. Yeah. Yeah, and so obviously those are popular and so well done, and so it's kind of really, it's really nice to see Animal Crossing: New Horizons on the Switch be the perfect marriage of the fact that you can take this anywhere, but also having the console kind of playability and charm of it. So it's uh, Animal Crossing kind of like signifies to me is like it's like yes this is the ultimate north star that we were trying to get to this entire time we finally made it guys yeah I mean like you say that like again but like we've yeah we've made it but we were saying we've made it in the 90s when we had N64 Ocarina of Time so like who knows what oh, we're going to be playing in 20 years when the, we look back on the Switch and think you know how did we not see this coming or something like that so who knows what's possible now with portable gaming with taking your games with you like it's it's with cloud saves and everything like that now there's the whole new streaming tech that's up and coming we'll see about that i suppose but i mean obviously with the switch you'd think that they'll make something more just more powerful but that seems so close-minded to think that that's all they can do now is just make a more powerful switch until we're playing games that look like real life on a bus yeah it's pretty impressive from nintendo's part to that they're able to make 
such a, a well-selling and well-made console that the Switch is, even with the massive competition from phones, right? Because nowadays, road trips for kids are phones. That's all it is, is like the phones and tablets. So to have uh, a gaming console come out to basically rival that, because that's where the Switch is going to be used, you know, the, for kids uh, for the most part, and that kids actually do use it over the phone is pretty cool. That kind of makes me that that gives me a big smile. Whenever whenever I go on the subway and I see like a like a, a class or like some kids will come up and be like, "Oh my god, are you playing Smash or are you playing uh, Mario?" You know, the fact that they're still really invested into that, you know, warms my heart. Yeah, I think it takes it takes good parents, I think, to teach kids what to play. But that that kind of actually does segue well into my the last topic for gaming on the go, which was phones. Did do you have any experience with like phone games? I I played Angry Birds on my phone when it first came out, and I played Candy Crush and all that, but it never lasted as long as any of the other Nintendo or PSP games that I mentioned. And then obviously there was Pokemon Go, which isn't technically a road trip game. That was just a game that you play on your phone on walks and things like that. I know that people do play it in cars. Like we drove to places to play it and stuff like that, but um, I, I feel like that we missed that generation of gaming. Well, it's funny because uh, when phone gaming kind of first came out in two thousand nine, two thousand ten, with the iPhone, and I mean, you could even argue it came out before that with the BlackBerry with Brick Breaker. We played that on your dad's uh, BlackBerry on our way to Leafs games. I remember we did all the time, right? So that that and and so those kind of games started to evolve from from things like Pong and Brick Breaker. Uh, they would come to uh, Angry Birds, Temple Run, these games that were, you know, very much like going back to arcade games, doing one uh, simple thing, uh, you know, as we talk about with a lot of these GameCube games. So it was funny to see the, those kind of games evolve because they were evolving with the tech. But now their phones have the ability to, to play ultra realistic simulations uh, of games and, and the graphics are just amazing. Stuff like Life is Strange. Uh, which is, uh, you know, it's a console game, but primarily the most downloads for it are on the phone. So something like that is like, that's where I see phone games, things that uh, are just intuitively, can be intuitively used on the phone where you can just touch something. You don't have to, you don't need a controller, you know, they're more like visual novels. And that's where I see phone games, or as well as maybe like these tabletop games that you just kind of, you, you check on every like minute or so. Uh, or tap out like the Simpsons game that we were talking about uh, right. on the hit and run episode. Those are where, where games for phones are going, but there is still a huge market, obviously, for real console uh, games as well as the handheld market with uh, the Switch. So it's who knows what's going to happen in in the next couple of years with phones uh, in terms of gaming. But I I don't think that phones will ever be able to fully replace the uh, games like that are on the switch right now so we'll see though we'll see i hope you're right about that because if if video games just becomes that with touch screens and tablets are thrown in there too like ipads obviously and ipod mm -hmm. or there are no more ipod touches but you know what i mean <laughs> uh yeah if we like completely erase the console game with a controller and a tv i think i'll probably i say i'll back away but i mean maybe they'll pull me in but it would just be really heartbreaking for me if one day there's a console that is just a switch with no joy cons it's just the screen and it's all tap and and movement and everything like that i'll be really disappointed if that's where we're going yeah but we'll have to see there was also the games that you would get in cereal boxes and happy meals do you remember those <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole other conversation that's a whole other con that doesn't count as gaming on the go i had a sonic I one and it pissed my parents off to no end because it was the same beep like yeah. <laughs> I did want to talk about, because uh, we talked about road trips, obviously, and I can't mention that uh, we can't 
mention road trips without mentioning the McDonald's play place as we do in, in a couple of these episodes. Of course. And so for me, I, well, you would always stop at McDonald's on road trips. And I think a lot of other kids did too. Victor mentioned that on the BMX episode that uh, he had the same experience going to cottages, stopping, you know, halfway at, at the McDonald's and then, you know, immediately running to that uh, McDonald's uh, play place with the, the game, uh, GameCube or N64 uh, controller set up and uh, just telling your mom, just, oh, Give me the Happy Meal. It's yeah. fine. Yeah, whatever. Just give me the cool toy. <laughs> yeah, and maybe you run into the McDonald's and it's in a strange town you don't you've never been to yep. before. And maybe there's different games in that GameCube yeah. kiosk, or maybe there is no GameCube kiosk. It, it's a complete gamble. You had no idea what to expect going into a McDonald's back then. It was the Wild West. <laughs> well, that's honestly like so because when you first were telling me about like doing a road trip episode, the first thing that came to my mind was not Game Boy Color or Game Boy Advance. It was stopping at McDonald's and playing uh, really? at the uh, on the GameCube uh, and the N64 because like you like I said before, I didn't have a console until December 2003. So, oh, you know, any uh, any like chance I got to play on a console, you know, this was amazing. And uh, another thing too, I just remember this i just want to talk about this before i forget it i actually talked about talked to this to annika and she didn't even know this was a thing uh another thing that i remember for road trips i guess we can call them or just vacations or just going places sure was hotel game cubes and hotel gaming systems yes you just have the controller hooked up to the tv and you had to buy a game (laughs) as if you were renting a movie on the tv I do remember. I remember getting N64 and PS2 controllers. I never got the GameCube room, though. I luckily got GameCube controllers often. Did your parents ever let you rent a game? Yes. Yes, they did. Yeah, wow. my, my dad my dad specifically did <laughs> because I used to... So my dad traveled a lot for work, and I sometimes was lucky enough to take time off school or like take a couple days off and go with him to... And it was usually different place, uh, places in the States, such as Baltimore, Allentown... Greensboro, North Carolina, and going with him to these places, you know, there wasn't a whole lot for me to do sometimes. And so sometimes we would play games in the hotel uh, and uh, on the screen. Uh, and it was always like the GameCube was kind of like tucked in the back. Love it. <laughs> so you couldn't, it was like a lock, so you couldn't touch it, I guess. Yeah, I had no idea how that worked. I guess there was a console in the, in the cabinet somewhere. Uh, I always just assumed that the controller was somehow hooked up to the TV and then it was... I don't know, you'd rent it through a streaming service of some kind, which didn't even exist back then, so I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah, so you would rent it on on the screen. I often rented Strikers or Power Tennis or Golf, because I liked uh, those ones when when I had a GameCube, I should say, because I didn't have those games yet. Uh, and my dad could play them with me, because he liked, obviously, sports. So sure. we would play those, and so how that would work is that you would have to click on the TV like menu, and it would say rent a game, and then it would give you all the options, and you click on on it and i would say okay like put in your credit card info and then you could either go down to the front desk and pick it up or they would bring it to you oh so (laughs) it would you'd get the disc after you've rented it yeah (laughs) oh okay i see i never knew that that's how it worked i thought it would just start playing i was like how does the disc change but i guess that makes sense (laughs) i mean i mean there might have been ones that that were high tech enough to be emulated i don't know but this is just what i remember so i mean People can comment on uh, an Instagram and, and tell us uh, <laughs> what what was up. But yeah, hotel gaming for me was actually a huge part of my childhood, uh, especially in pre-console days for myself before I was uh, ten years old. Yeah, wow. We yeah we never rented console games when we were in hotels. Whatever we because since I always had the handhelds 
pretty close to whenever they came out. So if you were playing a game in the hotel, it was whatever you had in the car. So it just continued on with that. Yeah, and, and the hotel, like, the games were always funny because they were often games that had come out a while ago. <laughs> so they were cheap by then. <laughs> or consoles that were older, but sometimes you'd get lucky. J- just like at a McDonald's. <laughs> just like, a, yeah, sometimes you'd get that gem. Yeah, I remember, like, by the time the PS3 was out, I think I went to one more hotel that I found a PS2 controller. It's like, oof, what, what could this be? Oh, man. But anyway, now that we're into 2020, you and I will be going away and we're bringing our own consoles with us. Because we're adults, we're bringing Switches, <laughs> PS4s, we don't have to just game in the car, and this is the future, this is where we are at now in our lives. We don't have to just pack up link cables, batteries, and one copy of Pokemon Blue in order to entertain ourselves for a week. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Well, I this think that's... Fun. Yeah, I think that's about it. That's all I have to say. Well, I mean, I could go on about road trips and gaming and and the whole concept of handheld consoles and why they were made in the first place but this is more of a this is a side quest uh, episode as we could call it if you're thinking of video game uh purposes it's it's three, 13.5 over 365 days kingdom hearts birth by <laughs> not sleep birth by our, gamecube birth by gamecube yeah sure <laughs> I don't know. I don't have a metaphor for it. It sounds good, though. I think it'll be fun. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's just not part of our main line. It's like I said, it's a, it's a side quest. If we're playing Witcher right now, if we're playing Witcher 3, it's one of the many. Well, actually, no, I shouldn't use Witcher 3 as an example because Witcher 3 is. <laughs> if this is Breath of the Wild, this is this is one out of the 1,000 Korok seeds. <laughs> I love that guy. He's like, <laughs> oh, of course. That's the best handheld game of all time. Breath of the Wild. So, did you want to, uh, ex- uh, I guess, do the outro and uh, let the listeners know what to expect in the next episode? Next week will be episode 14, Racing uh, Games for the Nintendo GameCube. It's going to be about a lot of Burnout games, so there'll be Burnout and Burnout 2 that we'll be talking about. We'll also be talking about Cell Damage, Pro Rally, a lot of these games I don't know. Our friend Ali <laughs> is coming on. He's a racing guy. He's a racing game guy. Uh, he's going to talk. For yeah, most there will of the be time. no talk of. Du- well, there will, I'll probably <laughs> fill in with talk of Double Dash and F Zero, but those games will be getting their own episode later. We are not covering those racing games. Yeah, so these games are mostly games that were released in 2002 and 2003. So there'll be about 10 games here in total. I know the Burnout games, but that's about it. So I'm excited to hear what Ali has to say about these games. And I know racing is obviously a huge genre and one of the best-selling genres in gaming today. So, yeah, I'm excited to talk about some of these first racing games. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, look, Looking forward to it. Mike, have a great week off. I'll be with you. We'll be together for the most time we've spent together in months at this point. Mm-hmm. You also have a great week off. You're going to be in the bunkie. That's my plan. Yeah, there's a little tiny cottage (laughs) off to the side that just looks terrifying, and I'm going to see if I can survive seven nights in that. (laughs) Do a little Resident Evil style. Maybe I'll do a podcast from that bunkie. Anyway, everybody have a great week, and uh, we'll see you next time. Take care. Bye. GameCube. Over 600 games you've never heard of. GameCube. Product of what happens when you think inside the box. Okay.